0: If I can look at somebody else and say, they deserve judgment, that comes right back on me. I deserve judgment, too, uh, because I've not lived a perfect life. And near as I can tell through scripture and other things, uh, I've never met anybody that has. And so I'm subject to judgment, too. And so what I'm demanding for someone else, in essence, I'm. De- I'm I, am I not demanding it for myself?
1: Welcome, Dale. It's good to have you here for Effective Heart Change and this series that we're doing called Let It Go, and today the title is The Jonah Response.
0: That sounds like a whale of an idea. That sounds like. <laughs> okay, how, how am I supposed to recover from that one? Well, I'm not worried about that. I, I just throw them out there, and then you, you deal with them. Well, Haven't you gotten used to that by oh, now? Oh,
1: I should be after uh-huh. as many years as we've worked together.
0: It's, it's a good thing. You, you do well with what I say. <laughs> Probably better than I do.
1: <laughs> Let me give a quick overview because I haven't really talked about this. I talk about a three-step process in, in the whole forgiveness, uh, letting go type of a process. Step 1, which is where we've mostly been so far is just making the decision to forgive. And we've talked about how self gets in the way of that, our view of God gets in the way of that, and the need to own my part in the whole picture, that gets in the way of that. And so sometimes it's even hard to make the decision to forgive, to want to forgive. It's like this is counterculture. This is against my own nature. This is wrong. I mean, the idea of forgiveness, many times, it just it gets bound up, and so just making the simple decision to forgive is a major step, and we've been talking about the obstacles that keep us from going there. The second step I simply call the handoff or the transfer. If we're going to get real deep biblical forgiveness, and again, pause for just a moment, we're not talking about the simple stuff, the the no-sweat stuff Mm of, uh, you know, hey, yeah, I'm going to be noble and forgive you. We're talking about those things that are just deep and hard, and I just can't do this thing. If we're going to take something of that caliber and we're going to get it handed off to God, get it transferred to God, again there's a whole lot of dynamics that are at work in that step and then the final step to give you the full overview which many people forget they take this thing and they get it handed off to god and they turn and they run and never to look back supposedly if we're struggling to forgive there's something deep inside of us in our core values in our person in who we are that needs some growth it needs some input it needs some strengthening so the third step, which very few people deal with as a part of the forgiveness process, is drinking in from God what is needed to strengthen me, because this same situation is going to come back around again. And when it comes back around again, if I'm the same person, I'll respond the same way. So many times people understand the first process of the, need, the decision to let go, they understand the need to get it handed off to God, but many times they don't understand the third step about receiving from God. Now, that's for future programs, but I hadn't really gone over the big picture so far, and I, I wanted to take a moment in this program to do that.
0: I think that's a good—it's time well spent, because it, it brings them into focus a little bit more. We, we struggled a little bit last time with—, with who we were really talking about because, and, and I think that that's part of the, the peril in, in taking it on is that the forgiveness thing, if I get offended, you, you say something that offends me, uh, I'm operating from that, my position. And, and, and so uh, I, I expect you to make the overture. Uh, if if uh, if i you you make some sort of overture and I I don't accept it, that it's, then it's on me. And we're more we're more we're more likely to put it on the other person uh, because we figure that we don't do that many things wrong anyway. <laughs> and and we may admit it, but uh, it's just it's a confusing area. You're so right in
1: your description in terms of we make forgiveness about a back and forth of who's more justified and how to make it right in that justification process. And if you give me what I need, well, then I can forgive you, or I'll try to give you what you need so you can forgive me. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) And we make it all about that kind of a process. And what I'm talking about here, if I really want to get to freedom, And frankly, the other side of it is also true. If I want to have the best influence I can have on you, at some point, it can't be about me and you. It starts with me doing what I need to do before God with God. Eventually, it does get to you and my relationship with you. But it starts with that. Otherwise, I make myself a slave to you. And we talked about that a lot in the last program, so I don't know that I want to belabor that. Mm but do you really want to be a slave to the person who has wounded you? And I'm going to say, I don't think so.
0: If it's got to be about God. If it's going to be successful in me, in you, uh, we both have to be submitted to the will of God. And, and that's the problem here. We're, we're so tied up with our, ourselves that we don't really bring God into the equation and when we do, it's to ignore him.
1: I'm going to actually challenge a little bit in terms of when you say we both have to be submitted to God. That's when it works best. I absolutely agree. If you want quality relationship and both of us are submitted to God, that's, how it, that's the ideal. That's how it should work. But even so, I'm not going to make myself a slave to you, depending on God. I've, I've got to be able to walk it out for myself regardless of how you respond. And so it is important to to remember that.
0: But I made I made that jump assuming that we were both looking to be right with God and then in the process be right with each other. So
1: so it's all ultimately it does go back to God and it goes back to God relationship, which is a great segue into the Jonah response. And a lot of people know the uh, whale or the great fish story, and so about all they remember about Jonah is the idea that uh, he got swallowed up by a fish, and he was spit out on dry land, and then he went to Nineveh, and he prophesied and told them to repent, and they know that part of the story. But many people miss some of the most significant parts of the story. And the first part of the story is that God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to proclaim to them that they need to repent and that judgment is coming.
0: Nineveh was not a nice place at the time.
1: Nineveh was one of those countries, city, state countries, that had literally brought judgment, brought pain to Israel. And because of that, Jonah's like, I want to see him fry. yeah. I want to see them suffer. Now, (laughs) I'm not interested in saving those people. Think about that and the context of forgiveness. If you have an enemy, if you have somebody who has wounded you and you want to see them burn, you want to see them suffer, uh, the forgiveness process isn't going to go very well.
0: And that's a good picture for us present day. Uh, we We tend to like or love the people that are are in agreement with us, and, and like us, and we like them. The Bible says love your enemies as yourself. That's, that's, that's a hard ask. And love
1: requires engaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what the first Jonah response was? Run.
0: Run! Run. It's, kinda like, it, it's no, kind of like, no, God. It's kind of a sense of humor there uh, to be swallowed by the whale. <laughs> I mean... Okay, you can, run but you, you can run, but you can't hide. That's right. You can hide in a whale, but yeah, you you know, you. not exactly what you had in yeah,
1: mind. It's not exactly uh, good smells, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine the inside of, a, a, of the fish is like, uh, okay, it doesn't smell so good, doesn't yeah. feel so good. It's not a good situation. But that's the first response that we get. So often that first response, when there is an unforgiveness situation, instead of confronting it, instead of understanding there's something here, first of all, in me, and this is what I really challenge, there's something in me that needs to be worked out here, even if it's just the faith to face the pain, even if it's just the faith to have the right response or whatever it is, I may have done nothing wrong. We talked about that last time. If you're a victim, you're a victim you haven't done anything Mm. wrong, but you're called to engage in that situation the way God wants you to engage. And if you do the Jonah response and you turn and you run, you're refusing to engage the way God wants you to engage. There's a lack of faith there, there's a rebellion there, there's, uh, call it whatever you want, but many people avoid engaging. They avoid doing what God has called them to do in order to bring healing to that, that hurtful, unforgiveness situation.
0: We see that in the church from time to time.
1: <laughs> time to time? <laughs> uh, let, they, me, we, let me just, after years of pastoring, yeah. let me say, when do we not see it in yeah. the church? I mean, it's, it's a rarity when people actually look at difficult situations and say, okay, here's what I need to do, here's how I need to engage, and let's walk it through in a
0: healthy way. Yeah, involvement is not the first choice. In fact, uh, the, the, the norm is uh, let somebody else do it. Yes, that needs to be done, but let somebody else do it. Well,
1: I would suggest even beyond that, it's, it's not let somebody else do it, it's how can we manipulate, how can we tiptoe, <laughs> how, how can we make them think that we really like them when we really don't like them? I mean, You've got all of these different ploys and tools that we use. That maybe if I use this communication technique, maybe if I if I put them over here on this committee, maybe if I—I I mean, we, we do everything under the sun other than face the situation. Everything but. <laughs> I mean, let, let me add to that one. I, you know, I remember I was in Christian school education administration for a period of time, and and you start looking at policy manuals. And it was funny because you'd go, well, I know what happened in that school that they created that policy. Well, I know what happened in that school. And, and you get all of these rules that are, you know, the don't put beans in your ears type rules, you know, and, and it's, they're, they're, they're like bizarre situations. You're like, are you kidding me? How about if we actually just deal with the child Deal with the situation kind of straight up and not create another rule. Many times the creation of rules is done just so that I don't have to face the situation here. Read this rule and we'll fix everything because I don't actually want to deal with you. So I'm going to give you a rule. Let you read it and hope you figure it out.
0: God didn't make any new rules. He just put him in touch with the whale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to he deal kinda, with Jonah, slowed it down. So
1: everything that we've been talking about is that escape path. It's, I'm going to do everything except what I need to do. Uh, I'm I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to deal straight up with the situation, but I'm going to run from this situation. And of course, in the Jonah story, uh, you can run, but you can't hide. Uh, The huge storm comes up and the sailors, I mean, they're scared to death and they're like, asking the question, uh, who did what? They, They actually all believe in God, which is an advantage that they have over where our culture is right now. But they all believed in God, and so there was this sense of, okay, something's wrong. This is not a normal storm. This is a supernatural storm. This is beyond what we're used to, so something's going on here. And so they gather everybody together to say, what's going on here?
0: And finally, Jonah is upright and says, it's me. I'm the problem. I'm running from God. Yeah. And you get that picture. Now,
1: again, in our current situation, we don't think about that when there's unforgiveness, when there's pain. I believe that virtually every conflict is an opportunity. It's a chance to grow. It's a chance to work something out, to step into a healthier place, so we don't do what they did on the ship, which is, wait a minute, something's going on here. Many times when there's unforgiveness and pain, we don't ask that bigger question of God. We just assume that the other person's a jerk or, you know, try to manipulate. We do all kinds of things. Let's bring God back into the picture and realize that there might be a larger purpose here in this thing.
0: And it changes the story. And it absolutely it, changes the story. And, and, and that's, that's what God does. He changes situations that we find ourselves that more likely we put ourselves in. Not necessarily. I mean, uh, Jonah could say, well, God made me do it because I, I just didn't want to go, so I ran. But it, it, it demands, uh, we make a choice. We either go with what God has uh, lined us up for, or we say, ah, I'm not having any of that. And then it comes a time of, of reckoning and, and the, on the ship. That was it. Instead of the bad choice that he made to run, Jonah at least said, hey, it's me. It's me. Do something, you know, get get rid of me and you'll be all right.
1: And of course, the sailors didn't want to do that. Yeah. They felt like it was too drastic and the storm got worse and worse. (laughs) So the sailors made a choice too. And the sailors finally said, well, we don't want to do this, (laughs) but sorry, you're off the ship. (laughs) Yeah, And so that's where it ends now. This segment is entirely dealt with the idea of running. So much of the time, the Jonah response, instead of facing the situation, we do everything but face the situation. And obviously, if we're not going to face this thing head on and get to that decision, first of all, step one, and then start into step two of, okay, I've got to do this God's way. I've got to get it handed off to God that's step two. We're beginning with step two, and uh, people often run from it. They don't deal with it. We'll take a few moments, uh, cover some questions that talk about this tendency to run and to escape, and then we'll jump back in with the motivation. Today we're talking about the Jonah response, and the first part of the Jonah response is just that flee. You know, I have a conflict, I have something that is distasteful to me and painful, and there's unforgiveness forming. A lot of times the, the basic response is, I want to escape, I don't want to face it, I don't Let want to me go out there. out of here. But the second part of the Jonah response that I really want to zero in on is his motivation. And his motivation was basically goes back to his belief in God, or yeah, uh, it really is a belief in God. He saw God as a merciful God. And I believe, and and, and the language sort of implies this, uh, doesn't absolutely state it, but Jonah is talking about God, I know you're a merciful God, and if I go and I preach to these people and they repent, I know you'll be merciful to them, and I don't want you to be merciful. So many people completely leave off chapter 4, and chapter 4 in Jonah is where Jonah's basically throwing a pity party because I Mm. went, I spoke to these people, I did did exactly (laughs) what you said, and see, you were merciful to them, and I didn't want you to be merciful, so now I'm feeling sorry for myself because I had to do all of this stuff for no effect because you didn't judge them, you didn't take care of the situation, and see, I just should have taken care of it myself.
0: He was right. He was right. He was right all along, and, and I'm surprised he didn't—well, he, I guess that's what he was doing, was, was taking pride in the fact that he was right. And, and, and I, I don't remember a whole lot of Thanksgiving pouring out of him that the, that the Ninevites were saved. No, a little bit on the self-pity end, <laughs> so, just a little bit. So, so he was, he was healed in some sort of way, but not, not, there, there is probably somewhere down the line that he, the Ninevites did something that uh, wasn't so admirable. He said, I told you so on that too. <laughs> so you. He was copping an attitudes towards God still, in a way.
1: The parallel here is like 100%. If you think about it, and you think about Jonah's response, Jonah from the beginning ran because he was afraid God would be merciful, and he had a desired outcome, and the desired outcome is, God, I want you to judge Nineveh. Think about that. If you and I really genuinely believed in God as judge and that he would judge and intervene in the life of that other person more harshly, more powerfully, more completely than I ever could, well, of course, God, I'll let you judge. But if I actually believe God just might be merciful, then it's like, well, I can't trust God. I can't forget. How can I take my wounds and hand them off to a God who's going to be merciful and loving? That. Just
0: doesn't work. He's taken himself out of the judgment picture. If I can look at somebody else and say they deserve judgment, that comes right back on me. I deserve judgment too uh, because I've not lived a perfect life, and near as I can tell through scripture and other things, uh, I've never met anybody that has. And so I'm subject to judgment too. And so what I'm demanding for someone else, in essence, I'm de- I'm, I, am I not demanding it for myself? And that's a big part of it. When we are responding that way
1: towards other people, we're not thinking about the fact that we're setting it up for ourselves. In fact, we're generally blind to ourselves at that point. We don't see that we've done anything wrong. We see ourselves as the victim. And because of that, you know, we, we get into that kind of a mode. We feel justified. We, we feel justified. But I really want to focus in on the faith in God. If, if you remember, one of the key hindrances is our view of God. Well, again, I'm kind of back to that again. On the handoff, if I don't believe that God can intervene or will intervene, Why in the world would I consider handing off my pain to God for Him to take care of it? And so Jonah's belief system, if you look at it, was that God was a merciful God and wouldn't judge. Well, now we've had 400 years continuously of grace and forgiveness, grace and forgiveness, grace and forgiveness. People, I believe in general today, do not understand or believe in the judging side of God. sovereign side of God that actually is going to work in a situation towards good, towards the ultimate godly end, and is going to bring a justice aspect. If we don't have faith in that kind of a God, how can we take the deep, painful things of our lives and hand them off to a God that we see kind of the way Jonah saw God during During his lifetime,
0: and the question that makes you ask is, "Why would I?" And 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 that's exactly what Jonah was doing. Why would I? I know what you're going to do to the positive, God, God wise. Uh, I know what you're going to do, so I don't want to have any part of it. Uh, And then the other part of it is to when I deny that God can do anything, uh, to be merciful and to give grace. It's the same thing on the opposite side of the, of the ledger, but both of them are the process of saying, I don't either like what you're going to do, or I don't believe you can do it, and either way, we're barking up the wrong tree. And culturally, we are in a place where for a hundred
1: years, I don't know what number to put on it, but it's been increasingly preached in the secular zones, and it's crept into the church that God is not a God who intervenes, and on top of that, he's not a God who's going to judge. So, the cumulative effect of that is, I really can't expect God to make it right. Now, I would suggest to you, if you go back and you study the scriptures, there's this thing called hell. Uh, Do you believe hell exists? Well, guess what? Culturally, many people don't even believe it exists anymore. And we've taken punishment and we've taken any of the judgment side of God out and we've thrown it away. Well, if that's what your belief system is, I get it. I better take things into my own hands because that's as good as it gets. But if you go back to the God of the scriptures and you believe that there is an eternal judgment that is going to happen, it should change everything about how we respond in life.
0: And when you say, we don't believe in God, that's the cultural norm now, it would seem. That's not God, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Individually, one and all are in in a state of disbelief. They aren't. We are in a state of disbelief about them. That God does not exist, or that Jesus was never who he was, just another guy, or that the Holy Spirit—probably the 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 least <laughs> believed in of the of the Godhead—but but we just don't believe that they even exist, let alone uh, have any love, any any consequence, and, and I.
1: Agree with you in terms of the exist, but in a sense, no. We, we still have these spiritual overtones where most people would, if you ask them, most people would still say, well, yeah, I believe in God. But when you add this extra layer, do you believe in a God who intervenes, in a God who actively reaches in, actively pursues? It is actually love and is actually love, that's where you would start to get the answers of, well, no, I I don't believe in a God who speaks. I don't believe in a God who intervenes. Once I go there and I'm at a point of woundedness, I've got nothing. I have nothing to fall back on. But if I'm dealing with you and I really believe in a God who will make things right, I really believe that there's laws of sowing and reaping, and if I walk this out the way God wants to, I will be blessed. And if I walk it out the way God wants me to walk it out, and you are resistant, I know that God will is big enough to take care of you and to walk it out on your side as well. That's huge in terms of me being able to hand things off to God.
0: So what you've... Uh... Described there is the Jonah effect. Uh, you, you, your tendency is to run. Let me out of here. I don't really want to deal with this, particularly if someone else is going to get what I don't think I'm getting. And, and, and then coming to the census and, and at least turning around. Uh, so that, that's interesting because uh, those stories that, that are in the Bible. Uh, Demands some sort of decision, uh, and, and it's up to us whether we, where we go, why we go. But the, but if you if you read those stories, you're going to go. Oh, wait a minute, and then you start pondering, and that's the beauty of that.
1: Let me give you the rest of the story, which many people don't know. They're not aware of the city of Nineveh did repent. God did spare them, but in years, a huge way. In a huge way. But years later, the evil bubbled back up in the nation all over again, and when it did, judgment came on Nineveh. It was a judgment that was delayed. During that period that it was delayed, this is the heart of God. God is not slack concerning his promises, but he is slow, he is patient, he is faithfully waiting so that the last person can come in. During that delay, there were people in Nineveh who had a chance to turn to God, who had a chance to be spared, to, to change during that period, but the judgments did still come, mm-hmm. and that's the heart of God. There are many times that in the heart of God, He delays things. He delays the judgment, and maybe even in the midst, some people are saved, some people are brought in because, yes, He is a merciful God. That doesn't fit with my need to have you whacked, mm-hmm. have you beat up. You know, we're just like Jonah. We have that heart of Jonah. Of, you people have hurt. Your people have hurt our people. This is not good. I want to see vengeance on you. Well, God kind of says, uh, vengeance is mine, and it's not our place to decide the wins and the wares of that. God offered mercy. There's times in our personal situations, again, the parallels. Are huge in terms of how we respond.
0: And your description of the later judgment, uh, I <laughs> I can see Jonah, if he was still alive at the time, going. He wasn't. Well, but I can see him going, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's human nature, and and if we're honest uh, uh, with ourselves, uh, we're prone to do that. We 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 make peace you know, okay, I'm, you know, that, we'll put that behind us. And somewhere down the road, the person that, that offended us reverts to some kind of behavior, and we have this, yeah, I knew it would happen kind of attitude.
1: I started this segment talking about motivation, and, and that, that talks about our part. You know, for me to feel better about this situation, I want to see you judged. I've got this motivation. I I want to get it over on you. And of course, there's a selfishness, there's a bitterness, there's a woundedness that needs to get handed off to God. And it's like we were in the last segment where you got to take ownership of your own part. But there's also tag teamed with that is faith. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness requires faith, it requires faith in an almighty, sovereign, righteous God. And we've taken those aspects out of our faith. And if you're going to take those aspects out of our faith, it's no wonder we have a hard time forgiving people today.
0: We need to know where to go to really solve a problem, and and it isn't us, and it isn't putting it on someone else. It's turning to God and asking for uh, direction and forgiveness for our stubbornness or whatever. But but going to someone in the know, the one in the know. Uh, is the answer that's going to help us get over all of these personal things.
1: In the next segment, I want to expand a little bit on God's response and how it works together for justice, and it also works together for mercy. We need to see this. We need to have the confidence to be able to hand things off to God. If we can't do that, We can't get to the third step, which is really vital, of drinking in the life of God. Let's take a break, talk about that motivation and the God character, and then we'll continue.
0: A lot of times what happens in the good conversations is you say something triggers something in me back and forth, and it's, it's not a gunslinger thing looking to kill each other. It's, it's more of a cooperative endeavor that, that one brings something up. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But
1: That really does tie into the whole concept of me handing off and trusting God. Because in the unforgiveness process, what happens? I have a desired outcome, Jonah effect. He had a desired outcome. If we're going to dictate to God, what's going to happen? Then he's no longer God. We've kind of taken the place of God, and so not Kinda. All... <laughs> okay. We've taken the place of God. <laughs> all right. You're pressing me here. Okay, that's my job. And that is your job. So you you keep at it. So we've stepped into the place of God. And I talked a little bit in the last segment about the idea that God is merciful. He is slow to judge. He delays judgment. In the case of Nineveh, literally for decades, he delayed that judgment. And during that period of time, there were people who had the chance to get it right. and to, Somebody benefited. To, somebody benefited because of that. Do we have that kind of faith in God where if the judgment doesn't fall immediately, if God is merciful to someone, do we have the kind of faith in God to where we can still hand that thing off? And many times, unfortunately, the answer is no.
0: You know, I like to create things, uh, particularly writing and And sometimes it's music, sometimes it's poetry. The first time I decided I'd record some of the things i' I'd done, I had this picture in my mind. I called it revolver, and I'm not a gun guy. <laughs> I never have hunted any of thing like that, but I had this picture in my mind of of a gun and a finger on the trigger and and uh you say, well, what does that have to do with anything creative? And I so, and I tell you that the picture was that, that I was a loaded gun. I my my mind had things in it that that were ready to come out. But what I needed was somebody to pull the trigger. And and when we talk back and forth, that's what happens: is you you pull a trigger on me, and I pull a trigger on you because it it lets let's go ideas that that are in, in the head. I believe that that's a God work. And and I believe Jonah went through some of that uh, because first he ran and then he realized that yeah, he was the problem on the boat after the whale spit him up. And so he confessed to that and actually went back. Well, God is... Manipulating isn't the word I would use, but he has us as his focus, individually and universally. And, and the process is that he's touching that trigger. He's pulling the trigger. And, and what, what happens with our—we're our, allowed to aim it, but what happens when he pulls the trigger— has the potential of being something good, or we make it something other than that. Again, in the
1: last chapter, which people largely ignore, you got the plant that grows up and provides shade for, for Jonah, and then you've got the, the uh, worm that comes and eats the plant, and the shade goes away, and, and Jonah's response is basically, it's all around self. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm this prophet. If I give this word and it doesn't come to pass, people are not going to respect me. And, and then it's like, I'm here. I'm sitting on the hill. I'm waiting to see what you're going to do. Oh, well, thank you. You finally gave me shade. Well, now you took it away. I mean, it's all completely revolving around Jonah. And what God wants in that picture, God wants Jonah to start seeing the other people from his heart. Now, this is huge. In me being able to forgive, I've seen it over and over again as I work with people when they finally let go of the bitternesses, when they finally allow God to be God and they start this transfer process. So often, God is able to give them a supernatural view of, oh, that's what's going on in the other person. And many times it's multi generational. Oh, his dad was an alcoholic. Oh, his dad. His grandfather at that point was an alcoholic. Oh, this one beat this one. This one abandoned this one. You know, so often when we start seeing the bigger picture, when we start seeing the backstory, there's an aha moment in there where it's like, oh, God, you actually are just. You actually are wise. You aren't just kind of throwing this thing to the wind, and you want to use me. To intervene in that other person's life. And my, one of my phrases that I use over and over again hurting people, hurt people. Well, that person hurt you, but when he hurt you, it made you mad. And the only way for you to deal with being mad is for you to actually start praying for that other person. And so I now actually have somebody praying for that other person, which is a part of the redemption process.
0: It's interesting you mentioned the prophetic. And if I'm God's prophet, uh, the chances are 100% if if I prophesy what he gave me to prophesy, it will happen. It isn't going to be willy-nilly sometimes Wilson we'll the the seers and the prophets of the day to today. Uh, you buy your your whatever the tabloid magazine is and and they're prophesying this and that and everything else, uh, all you have to do is check their record. And if they've been wrong once, a uh, good chance that this isn't going to be a prophecy from God.
1: And, and then you start looking for the excuses. You know, it's like, well, it didn't happen because, and so you get into all of that. But what happens here that is powerful Is when we connect with God in a way that we shift the way we see God, and we shift the way we see life, we shift the way we see the other person, we shift the way we see ourselves. That's called growth. When I change how I see life, when I change all that, and and unfortunately, Jonah didn't. Jonah, at least as far as we can tell, ended in a place of self-pity. The book ends in a very bad place. The will of God was done, perhaps, with Nineveh. It doesn't appear to have been done with Jonah, the self-righteous guy who spoke the Word of God, didn't get to the place where he needs to go, to where his heart is softened and changed. Maybe he did, maybe after the book had happened. We can hope so. But when we compare this with forgiveness, if God is able to instill in me, if I'm, if I'm willing to work with him, if I'm willing to give him something to work with, and he's able to work with me, and I begin to see the bigger picture with this other person, and I begin to see how God's trying to work with this other person, all of a sudden forgiveness just becomes a whole lot easier.
0: It's interesting you bring up, we don't know what the, the end result was for Jonah. Uh, we talked about the prodigal son the other day. Same thing, the older brother. We don't know whether he accepted or continued to reject. Isn't it interesting that those stories are left open? Uh, because it speaks to possibility both to the positive and the negative. Where do they go? And that's a question we should, we should regularly be asking ourselves. Where am I going to go with this? And I
1: come back to, again, this is what I believe, the number one will of God is not about what I do, it's not about what I say, it's about me being changed into the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. Because if I take on the character of Christ, it doesn't matter what happens to me, it doesn't matter where I go, I'm doing the work of God, I'm doing the will of God, I'm bringing the love of God, I'm having a powerful impact. And when I start seeing woundedness situations, bitterness situations, unforgiveness situations from that point of view, it's not about the end result. It's not about the prodigal, okay, we didn't get to hear the rest of the story. It would have been nice if we knew the rest of the story of the prodigal maybe. brother. Maybe. It might have turned out bad. Mm. It would be nice to know that Jonah actually got it and that he actually grew and he actually took the next step. And he continued. Just because someone hears from God and speaks a word of God doesn't mean that they're really fully in the will of God and being transformed in the image of God.
0: They obeyed once.
1: They obeyed once, (laughs) and and it worked in that particular instance, and it was a start. Mm -hmm. Same thing happens when there's conflict between you and me, and if I don't follow that through in a way that I see the will of God, and I begin to pray the will of God over you, and I I start seeing that how I can grow. And again, I might not have even been at fault. But if I'm wounded, if I'm bitter, if I'm struggling, there's something that got triggered in me that potentially needs to be handed off to God, needs to grow, or if nothing else, it's a call to prayer to intercede for that other person in a way that the will of God can be done there. When I start seeing events of life from
0: that perspective, how can we not all win? I think we need to add something to seeing. I, I, I need to see it, but I need to accept it and, and to walk into it. And, and without that follow-up, uh, it could be a one-time thing.
1: When you talk about accepting, I'm going to jump to another trait that is lost: the sovereignty of God. No matter how badly you mess it up, no matter how badly I mess it up, God has a plan B. God has a plan C. God is a redeemer. He is a restorer. He continually is working, it doesn't matter where we've been, it doesn't matter what we've done, He's continually working in our lives to take that thing and redeem it and restore it and get it back to His heart, get it back to His will. When we're harboring unforgiveness, we just threw that completely out the window. It's like, nope, God's done, judgment, final, over, finished. That's not God's perspective. He's sovereign. When I really understand the sovereign, redeeming nature of God, and that He's never done, He never gives up; He's continually at work. When I begin to understand that, acceptance is so, so much easier.
0: Amen. That's uh, to to. I don't know about fully accepting. I'm not sure human is actually able to do that, but the more fully we accept and and walk and live in in God's direction, Uh, it can only be the good.
1: A summary here is that deep forgiveness really is so completely tied up with our view of God. And the Jonah response. You see the heart of Jonah. You see his lack of appreciation for the sovereignty of God, for the mercy of God, for him orchestrating all things. Even in the lives of the people of Nineveh, you see those things that are falling short in his heart, and it's just, it's obvious in the entire picture, but the will of God is still done despite that, but you end up with an angry and bitter Jonah, and that's where we end up way too often if we don't do the Jonah response, but we really humble ourselves and we look to God and we start seeing Him for who He actually is, the Redeemer, the Restorer, then we're able to cooperate with Him through forgiving others.
0: Praise God.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. I, I just I hope you're enjoying these discussions. We're trying to flesh it out in a way that will give you some practical steps, some, some real substantive ways for you to get better, because there are times when unforgiveness is just hard. And keep joining us. We're going to keep adding more layers to this thing and hopefully more breakthrough possibilities for you. We want to live free. We want to live full in Christ. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.